0: This is the Adventum Podcast Mini, where we cover targeted topics you care about. This series is all about reflection and how our summer plans can pave the way for positive impacts in the fall. I'm your host, David Cicero. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to summer. Thinking about the episodes leading up to this one, we've really focused on reflection over the summer in an implicit way, identifying common activities and habits that we can participate in that'll create avenues to help us achieve our goals leading into the next school year. But I'm thinking some listeners may want a more explicit approach. Some of you may want to better understand how to purposely focus on yourself and find dedicated time for reflection. So I've partnered with Headspace, as in headspace.com, with millions of users in more than 190 countries. In their words, their mission is to improve the health and happiness of the world, and educators in particular, through a free subscription. Our topic today is mindfulness, and I've brought Samantha Snowden on the show today to help us better understand what mindfulness is all about. She's a kids and family mindfulness expert at Headspace, and also a former educator and curriculum designer. Samantha, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on today.
1: Thanks, David. I'm happy to be here.
0: I feel like we should just really just start right from the top, because I'm not even sure what mindfulness really means. So, Can you help us just understand what the word means and what it is?
1: Absolutely. So a lot of people get the term meditation and mindfulness confused, right? So meditation is really, if you think about it, if you say, I'm going to meditate on something, you kind of mean that you're going to think about it. You're going to reflect on it. There's a contemplative element to it. And so there are a lot of different meditation practices beyond a mindfulness meditation. But when we're talking about mindfulness, we're paying attention on purpose with openness, curiosity and a willingness to be with things as they are. And we can strengthen mindfulness through meditation, where we sit down and we choose an anchor. And an anchor is just something that we've decided to pay attention to. So it could be our breath or sounds or sensations in our body. And then every time our attention drifts away from that anchor, we notice it and then we bring our attention back to that anchor point. And that really helps us to develop the awareness of emotions that are arising, or the way that we might automatically relate to our internal experience. You know, we have a tendency to want to shut down difficult emotions, and to make ourselves feel better by, you know, trying to force happiness or force, um, you know, any any kind of feeling that we'd prefer to have. But mindfulness really helps us to change our relationship so that we are being more open. You know, we're, we're willing to be with this emotion as it's showing up and we're letting go of judgment. We're letting go of that, you know, kind of natural desire to want to push it away. So it, it's, it feels a bit like we're going against the grain, but it turns out that it's an incredibly beneficial uh, practice.
0: It almost feels like we're, we're just not letting ourself getting swept away with whatever we're feeling. Right. It's kind of what it what it feels like to me um, that we're kind of practicing techniques to help us hone in on the thing that we should be focused on. And from my understanding is meditation allows us to practice mindfulness in that moment. But mindfulness is something that can happen all the time throughout the day. Am I right about that?
1: Exactly. Yes, it's a natural capacity we have to be present. But with in the kind of climate that we're living in, we help ourselves to be more mindful by doing things like slowing down, right slowing down your eating, so that you can really notice the texture of just by checking in with our five senses. So if you're in a new place, you know, closing your eyes for a moment and noticing different sounds. Um, Or when you're with another person, and you notice your attention is drifted away to you know what you're gonna have later for dinner or something that they said you you associate with your own life, that you notice those moments and then you come back to being really fully present uh, with the person you're with. And I really think that level of attention is is just put to put it plainly, love in action, right? It's how we show care. It's how we show that someone matters um is by putting that kind of giving someone that kind of attention. And, and it really does take practice. So we can practice it both on the cushion, as we say, or off the cushion. Um, and and so it doesn't have to be um, solely this meditative, med- meditation-based practice.
0: Yeah, I like that. It's almost the the old phrase, you know, stop and smell the roses, right? Just those exactly. little things, right? So are, are you implying that by doing things like stopping and smelling the roses when I'm eating, I just kind of focus on the texture of the food? that those little practices will make me uh, more able to hone in on like if I'm feeling anger, I'll have a greater capacity or ability to hone in on that anger, hone in on that, that feeling that I'm that I'm having. Is that kind of what you're getting at?
1: As far as I understand, you're saying does does cultivating mindfulness in general help us process or regulate difficult emotions?
0: Right. That the question? <laughs> yes, that is the question. that should have been my question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, well, so the sh- yes, it does. Um because first of all, um when we think about handling difficult emotions, we have to realize that when we're, we get caught up, right? We we get very caught up very easily in the emotional state that we're in. So, um the, there's a part of our brain called the prefrontal cortex which kind of goes offline, it stops communicating when we're having a difficult emotion. So in order for us to help soothe that difficult emotion, we want to first name it. And first, before we even name it, we have to realize we're having it. And that's what the general mindfulness practice will help us to do, to notice the moment that you're in a state, in an emotional state that's difficult. Because sometimes if we don't If we don't notice that happening, we can go from zero to 10 really quickly. But if we're more aware and we have a mindfulness practice, we can kind of start to notice the steps along the way on that scale. So we can notice, ooh, I'm starting to get, you know, I'm like a two out of 10. I'm starting to get agitated or I'm a three or four out of 10. And if we can catch our anger, for example, at those lower levels, we're much um, better able to regulate ourselves. If that makes sense,
0: mm-hmm. it does. I think yeah. just practicing being aware, and then over time, you're going to begin to be aware of the things that 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 really count, right? Exactly. Yeah, and I I see this link already to 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 teaching. And in some of the previous episodes of the Momentum podcast, we talked about you know, authenticity in the classroom and really being present in the classroom. And so I do I do, you know, I'm seeing the beginnings of some argument for how this can relate to to, to, to teaching and uh, working with students and uh, you know delivering my lessons and things like that. But I kinda wanna put that to you. You know, when we're thinking about teachers grabbing a hold of something like this, you know, why would it be important for for teachers specifically to to work on mindfulness?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So my experience, I've worked in schools um, as both a curriculum designer, designing mindfulness and SEL curricula for schools, and also as a substitute teacher. (laughs) I'm laughing because one of the hardest jobs I think I've ever had when I was first out of college and um, hard, but also exciting. And I would often teach mindfulness covertly uh, in the classroom when, when I was subbing. But as I've, as over the years, as, as I've gone into schools, I've seen that the expectations on teachers are increasing. They're expected to f- fulfill roles beyond teaching, like, you know, being a therapist, be even a parent in some ways. And, um, and then we're asking teachers also to be SEL teachers to just, you know, learn this whole system of, of teaching teaching. Um, so social and emotional intelligence, which which is quite a lot. I mean, I've been doing it for over ten years, and I'm still learning all the time. So, to to ask all of that of teachers, I think is is a huge burden, and seen as a burden in some in some ways by many by many teachers. Um, and so, and I'm, another thing I've seen with teachers is that they're always pressed for time. So asking them to fit in um, a ten minute or twenty minute meditation, um, can also be a cause of stress. So I was aware of all this going on. And, and so I was thinking about what exactly, like, what are the tools that teachers could use in their classrooms to help create a culture that's, that's healthier. That's, um, you know, where students feel safe to be vulnerable and to share, to bring up feelings that they're having. Um, and I noticed like I would go into some classrooms and the students wouldn't want to participate at all. There were just some days where, um, for whatever reason, something had just happened at recess or lunch, there there was no um, willingness to engage with the the topic or with the lesson. And what I would do in those moments is I would take a deep breath and then I would share with them what, what I was noticing in my own body. So I would say, wow, my heart rate is increasing or, I'm getting really frustrated and and kind of sad that it seems that no one wants to uh, participate. And then I would ask the class to share their experience. And I would let them know that anything they were noticing was allowed to be shared. They didn't have to worry about, you know, saying that they were bored or saying that they just weren't interested in mindfulness. This was kind of a paradigm shift um, in the classroom because so many students were kind of taught that it wasn't okay to bring up negative feelings or difficult you know uh, opinions to you know that they had about the class. Um, but by calling out what was really going on for everyone, it allowed everyone to settle and it allowed the lesson to continue. So that was that was just one way um, and that I handled um, the the issue of disengagement or you know the students being resistant. Um, And I also gave them alternatives. You know, you can place your head on the table and close your eyes or whatever helps you to rest because these practices sometimes aren't a good fit for everyone all the time.
0: So you've mentioned something I I have not heard before, which is, you know, actually explaining how you're feeling to your classroom of students. And I'm really wondering how you thought of that to do that. I mean, I see so much value in that. You're, 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 being mindful, you're expressing what you are learning in that moment of mindfulness. You're 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 sharing that with the classroom. That in turn allows students to think, "Wow, I can express yeah. what I'm thinking too." Um, the teacher's doing it, so I can do it, and now we're all having this mindful moment. I mean, it's brilliant. So, I mean, I, I guess I really want to know how did you what was the, the purpose of that? What led you to think, you know, I'm going to share what I'm feeling in that moment with my students. I'm going to be really sincere and just say, I'm feeling sad right now. My heart rate's increasing. I feel like no one's interested. You know, did you expect it to have that sort of impact? Was that the purpose you wanted to see if you could create a mindful moment or was that something that, that just kind of happened? You're like, wow, this, this really allowed me to connect with them.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's purposeful because I know that if I'm not modeling mindfulness, then they're certainly not going to get, uh, you know, what it is embodied. And that's, that's what's really important too. as a teacher, you, you really should embody the practice that you're teaching. uh, Because so much is transmitted through how we how we are how we're being. Um, And so if I expected them to be vulnerable, I certainly would have to be willing to be vulnerable myself. And I often ask teachers about that like to to really think about and reflect on how how comfortable or how willing are you to be vulnerable with your students and and what are the boundaries? because of course, we need boundaries, right? We definitely don't want to share every aspect of our lives, our personal lives with students. but sharing you know our emotions, sharing our our lived present moment experience and how we're being affected by each other is really valuable for the students to in their learning of emotional intelligence to practice, practice this kind of radical curiosity. Yeah. It was was very purposeful. And I noticed that that's one of the biggest um, shifts or one of the biggest sources of, of a shift that you can actually feel. It's really palpable in the classroom.
0: And I think it's, I think you can really experience the shift just When you're sincere with others in general, your students, your colleagues, uh, family members, your social group, friends, I mean, I I think anybody listening, you know, can remember moments when they were just truly sincere, where they they didn't respond to an event or a circumstance with anything strategic or any, uh, you know, heated passion or things that they just said something very simple, like, you know, I'm not sure why you're speaking to me this way. But it's really hurting my feelings i'm not sure what right when we are really sincere it really just changes the whole dynamic of the conversation you know um it, you know it doesn't force other person to be defensive you're just really you know kind of exposing how you feel but you would not be able to express that if you couldn't if you didn't have the practice of identifying how you are feeling you know, if you can't right. identify how you're really feeling, how can you, you can't explain it to yourself. How can you explain it to someone else? Right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I often use this. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with nonviolent communication, but it's a, um, a technique of stating your feelings, your needs, and then making a request. And I find it incredibly helpful to infuse those those teachings into the classroom so you can print out a list of feelings and take one one feeling a day and have the class share a time they felt that way so you're increasing their feeling vocabulary and you're also helping the students to relate to each other and to see that they're not alone in feeling these these things you know that that's a huge source of suffering for a lot of people is feeling like we're alone in our pain or feeling like you know i'm sadder than anyone I know, you know, and no one else feels this way. So sharing, if you're, you know, being willing to share with your students a time you felt disappointed or embarrassed or jealous, and then create, it, it helps create this healthy emotional culture. If you think of it as a culture, like what, what are the norms in your classroom? If you're talking about emotions regularly and exploring them and letting people share their stories, then that, that those norms, that becomes normal. And then it becomes a classroom where people really feel authentic and, and able to bring their authentic selves to school every day, now, including I'm, the teacher. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask you, do you think this works in PLCs, administrator to teacher, you know, printing out these lists of emotions? You know, how did you, um, you know, let's talk about how, you know, a moment or an event that disappointed you this semester? Do you see a value in um, this sort of strategy uh, among staff and colleagues?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I often talk with the kids about creating a container. And sometimes I'll bring in a water bottle at the beginning of the the, the uh, session or the, the school year. Um, but it's a metaphor for what we need to have to feel safe enough to be vulnerable, what we need to feel safe enough to talk about what we're feeling. So that would be a good place to start if you're having a discussion among administrators and teachers you know, just going around the room and saying, what do we all need to feel safe in this, you know, maybe on a wider, larger scale, what do we need to feel safe every day at work? And then what do we need to feel safe in this conversation? And giving people a chance to weigh in on that um, really helps to facilitate vulnerability and and give people that that safety that they need to know that, you know, what they say is going to be confidential and um, that, You know, it won't be gossiped about just these very basic things that we need to feel to actually be able to talk about what's real for us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I see the same relationship between teacher, student and administrator, teacher, right? Teacher models, uh, mindfulness, students model, you know, participate in mindfulness. Administration models, mindfulness, teachers participate. They end up being more authentic and mindful in the classroom, trickles down to the students, you know. Um, I re- really, really like this idea. So in, in, in terms of, I mean, I think we've got some great um, examples of, of how mindfulness is important for teachers in the classroom, not only to uh, uh, build relationships with students, but build relationships with colleagues, and also as a strategy to engage students, you know, uh, you know, staying in the moment and expressing what I'm feeling in that moment can really bring students back into the fold, back into that context that I want them to be in and help everyone just reset. So if I if I wanted to explore resources, get started with mindfulness, is there any help out there, guides out there, outlines out there? Any suggestions?
1: Absolutely. So right now, and for the foreseeable future, um, Headspace is actually offering the app free to teachers. So you can go to headspace.com slash educators and get access to this incredible, uh, resource that, um, offers, I mean, when I think about how I've used the app, I've used these animations that we have that describe things like accepting the mind or slowing down or how to practice compassion. And they help if you show it to your classroom, it really helps to, um, launch a discussion about it, you know, and you can do journal prompts and, and, and just get talking about these things, even before you start practicing meditation. Um, And also, I I trained at UCLA, the Mindful Awareness Research Center, um, and it's just a fantastic evidence-based program. And right now, it's all virtual. I think they're going to start up um, the in-person offerings again soon. But I find that that group support and having a teacher guide you through it is really important. I'd recommend those.
0: I I really, really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Uh, I feel like I've, I, I have a much better understanding uh, as to the relationship between just general mindfulness and how it can then um, help me cope with feelings and emotions I'm having. You know when it really when it really counts, and also why it's important to teachers and in the classroom, and how it helps us build strong relationships and, and helps everyone get what they what what they need. You know, um, so Samantha, um, thank you so much for for coming on and. Uh, all the great information you shared.
1: It's My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Edmentum podcast. If you like what you hear, you can support our show by subscribing and leaving a review. If you're looking for more Edmentum resources, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn under the handle at Edmentum. Stay tuned for more episodes and until then,
0: stay well.